Listen, I did film and television studies at university for three years. I spent hours reading countless books and articles on subjects spanning from film all the way to television. Not a single one mentioned Hugh Grant once. I achieved the hardest qualification across any university or college ever, a 2-1 in history. Let me tell you, the only thing that I learned was that we, as a society, have a history of denying and neglecting Hugh Grant's artistic and cultural relevance, not just in this country, but in the entire world. I met Oscar at a Hugh Grant-themed event I put on at the Students' Union. It felt as though Diggory and I were the only ones there, and we agreed that there was a Hugh Grant-shaped hole in academia. We decided to put it right ourselves. We want to show people that he's an icon in acting. We want to show people he's more than just a bumbling posh guy. I'm Diggory Waite. And I'm Oscar Beardmore Gray. And, and this, this is... Taking Hugh for granted. Hello, welcome to Taking You For Granted with Diggory Waite and Oscar Beardmore Gray, the show in which two friends watch every single film starring Hugh Grant in the attempt to answer this simple question. Is this film taking you for granted? Is this film good on its own or does it rely on the bumbling Brit for its acclaim? This week I'm joined as ever by Oscar. How are you doing, Oscar? I'm all good, yeah. It is strange when we, whenever we we do this podcast, um, we video chat each other and Diggory is always sitting in the dark, like it's sort of <laughs> hell or something. I don't know why it is. It could be like midnight or it could be 10 in the morning, who knows? It's because now that I can, because I have to stay inside all day, I live in a perpetual state of darkness. Um, so why not? Why not? Today we're talking about Morris. Um, so why don't we have a cheeky little synopsis and we get right into this film. Morris, directed by James Ivory and released in 1987. In 1909, Morris Hall, played by James Wilby, attends Cambridge University, where he befriends Clive Durham, played by Hugh Grant. The two embark on an intense but paranoid affair. Homosexuality is illegal in British Edwardian society, so the two men must now decide to reject their true sexual identities or risk plunging their families into disgrace and themselves into prison. One thing I wanted to get into before we talk about Hugh Grant's role in the film is is the fact that this is, you know, this is a big film in terms of uh, Hugh's career because it was his first big break. Um, it was, but he, he, at the time he was doing radio commercials um, and hadn't heard from his, from his agent in months. And his agent rang up and said, oh, they want to see you for this film, Morris. And he thought, oh, I couldn't be bothered. And he was living with his bossy banker brother at the time who was like, Hugh, for God's sake, go. Um, and thank God he did. And the film did quite well. And at the Venice Film Festival, um, there was a big round of applause at the end when they showed this film for the first time. And then the, the tradition at Venice is that we, the filmmakers, stand up to accept the applause. What I had forgotten is that my suit was much too tight and I'd undone it and I'd undone my trousers quite early in the film and I completely forgot to do them up. So it did look odd that, that at the end of this gay film I stand up and bow solemnly to everyone next to my co-star with my, my trousers undone. And also um, at the Venice Film Festival, I think I thought this was great as well, the director, I think James Ivory said to him, oh Hugh, you know, you've got quite a nice room, they've paid for a quite a nice room for you, do you mind if I use it for a couple of hours just because I'm, you know, to have a nap in the afternoon? And Hugh was like, of course, go ahead, you know, we know Hugh, he's a lovely man. And um, James Ivory went up to his room. And he came down two hours later, absolutely ashen-faced, and I said, Jim, what's the matter, what's the matter? And it turned out he'd had his nap, got up, and thought he's got to clean his teeth. So he went to the bathroom to borrow my toothbrush and toothpaste. 
but he got the toothpaste mixed up with a hemorrhoid cream. This is true. Yeah. And he, he was traumatized. And when I got back to the room, there were all these little towels that were mouth-shaped, where he'd cram them into his mouth. Get the cream out. Did I go too far with that? Which is... Uh, he just comes uh, up with he's got some great stories from down the years honestly he does he's always like he's the most like anecdotal interview you ever have that's why i want him to get him on the pod because he just goes off on tangents about these bizarre stories you you can't really think existed but i mean hugh's just everything he says he gets the point across but it's also just so funny he's got the whole crowd around his little finger look out the window look out the window Look out the window. It's Hugh Grant in a prayer. Speaking of Hugh Grant, as we so often are on this podcast, uh, Oscar, I have to ask you, as I always do, what did you think about Hugh Grant in this film, and specifically the first time you saw him in this film? For all Hugh Grant fans fans out here, this is the first time we, we really see Hugh at his absolute prime. This is Hugh Grant's curtains hair on fleek. This is the... the the, the the nice little rounded face with the with the nice cheekbones on absolute point and all fans out there and I know this because we we troll Twitter almost daily um they they love this film for his look this is like when when people tweet falling in love with Hugh Grant in 1980 <laughs> this is the one they tweet out it's exactly you're exactly right this may be the best Hugh ever has looked the the curtain hair is is perfect he has a chisel face he's also wearing a lot of um uh quite smart clothes that are so sharp and they really complement his his um, <laughs> facial structure they do i mean these pictures of him are a thirst trap for those of you that know what that means he's a <laughs> thirst trap it's an absolute like he he's often compared to the timothy chalamet of of today he that's what this character is in this film like if you think Hugh Grant's good-looking chap, just watch the, the first half of this film. He is on a on another level, and especially that first scene when uh, the lead Morris goes into his room to to meet him, uh, and he, he sat on the floor surrounded by all these different recordings of uh, Tchaikovsky, I believe. And he and he looks up at at the door to see the guy come in, and you and you look down, you're just like Hugh's just sat there, and you think, oh my god, it's the perfect man. Come in. Hello? You're Durham, aren't you? Yes. I was looking for Risley. You don't know where he is. He's debating at the Union. I was just stealing his pathetic symphony. I'm reading a paper on Tchaikovsky, but I cannot find the third movement, if it's here at all, which I don't think it is. I'm writing a paper on Tchaikovsky and can't find the third movement. I mean, it's that kind of film. Everyone's really poncy and... and it is a bit of an eye roll. But this, yeah, is what exactly. you, this is what you expect from Hugh early on in his career. Having said that, though, Diggs, mm. if we're talking about Hugh's look, you, halfway through the film, he develops something on his upper lip, which yeah. I'm not a huge fan of. It's, it's all, he, he gets a moustache, and let me tell you, it's awful. It's absolutely <laughs> awful. It's so, so bad. And, and I, think, I think that's because... So the way this film goes um, is Morris and... Hugh Grant's characters at first are, you know, in love and eventually though Hugh denounces that side of things and and gets uh and gets married to a woman. 
And I think that part of having the moustache, you know, when someone has a beard, when a mm. gay man has a beard and it's like a, it's like a buffer girlfriend or partner, you know, whatever. I think that's what I think that's what the moustache is, and I think it's not meant to look good. Mm. Um, it's like his mask. Exactly, exactly. But regardless of whether it's a mask or not, it looks like shit. <laughs> Are you a business owner? Are you running a political campaign? Are you a furniture outlet having yet another sale? If the answer to any of those questions isn't no, then you can have your advertisement right here. The Taking You For Granted podcast gets over a hundred listeners every single episode. For prices starting as low as six figures, you can have your advertisement right here. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> Email takingyouforgranted at gmail.com today for a full price list. And you can have your advertisement right here. Diggs, maybe we should get right into the film. And, and yeah. we wanted to talk about the very beginning, which is <laughs> one of the stranger beginnings to any Hugh Grant film we've watched. I mean, we've we've watched music and lyrics, and that's pretty weird. But this one mm, is just mm. downright almost disturbing. You're kind of like, where is the film going? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, so you, you have all these school children at, uh, on, along, walking on the beaches, maybe on a school trip, and the main teacher takes Morris to one side and goes, you don't have a dad, do you? And, you, you know, you don't have any father figures. And he's, and Morris is like, no, no, sir. And he's like, right then. Well, let... And he gives him the, the talk of the, the birds and the bees talk. That, 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 um, that thing. There. Now, that will develop and grow larger. You see? And when that happens, the man lies very, very close to his wife. And he puts his membrum virilis into her vagina. <laughs> vagina. And, yeah. And it, it, it is completely bizarre and it's no more shown than when they walk off. Um, to, uh, another family come along with this little girl and they look at the, at, at the drawings in the sand, these graphic drawings of literally, a, you know, labour majora and the clitoris mm. and all this sorts of stuff and this little girl's like ah and her parents like shield their eyes do you um, know where we've seen this that character before though the guy oh. who plays that person talk to me baby maybe you didn't notice but it's the actor is simon callow and he mm. plays gareth in four weddings and in a funeral. four weddings and a funeral yes yeah. yes he certainly does and i hadn't picked up on that the first time i watched this film but mm. on second watching i was like another moment of the universe Another universe link. Oh, mate, it's getting unbelievable now. The connections on my wall are actually getting too much to bear. Um, if it wasn't pitch black in here, I'd be able to see that. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it is. Um, I do love that scene. But to be fair, uh, you know, from the very offset, there's no thought that Morris isn't going to be with a woman and be married. He even says, he's like, you know, one day when you fall in love, you're going to lie with a woman. And, and even Morris as a kid goes, um, I don't want a wife. And he's and he's like, ah, 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 ah. in 10 years, I invite you and your wife to dine with me and mine. And it's like it. And the, and the whole birds and the bees talk was, is very heteronormative. Um, so it, it does provide. It serves this, a, yeah, it serves a purpose for the rest. of the Exactly. Film, definitely. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right. Yeah, exactly. No. I think you're right, Oscar. In in classic romantic film fashion, um, Hugh and, and Morris now... I keep calling him Hugh. His name is Clive Durham, but I'm <laughs> obviously going to call him Hugh. Um, Hugh and, and Morris are at university together. Are they in Cambridge? They're in Cambridge, yes. And it's very yeah. stuffy. And it's everything yeah. you could imagine Cambridge to be like in 1909 and in probably 
2022. But uh, that's a side note. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Hugh and Mor- Morris mm. fall in love, basically. And it seems to be a, a sort of mutual thing, but obviously they're not, they're not, this is obviously very against the law at the time. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. There's, it's interesting because it seems to skip from term to term, you know, one minute will be in the winter term, then the summer term. So there's there's a few, you get little glimpses of, of it. There's a moment where um, Morris rolls Hugh up in a carpet like he's a fucking burrito. <laughs> and, and and he's on top of him and you think, oh, are they going to kiss here? It doesn't really quite happen. And then there, there is this wonderful moment um, that we wanted to talk about that is often, is, is kind of, I guess, the, you know, if there's a, a sizzle reel of the film. This is this is the mm. point where everyone looks at. Morris is sat there on on this very very loud wicker chair. Hugh Grant referred to it in that interview that I was talking about before at the um, LGBTQ plus film festival. Uh, he referred to it as the loud chair scene, and apparently his friends always take the piss out of him and and do impressions of the chair. Um, but anyway, so so Morris is sat on this chair, and um, Hugh's sat on the floor resting his head against his his leg and Morris is, is stroking his hair and this is a, this is like you say it's emblematic of the film and Clive slightly raises himself up from the chair and they're just about to kiss for the first time and then just at that moment uh, a bunch of uh, their friends from the college jump, come come through the door, bang through the door, and want to take Morris off to, I think, to a game. That was director James Ivory there talking a little bit more on, on the scene. But yeah, so many people online will use this gif. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's become a sort of cult gif of, I mean, maybe this is a bit far, but it's become a serious icon of LGBTQ plus film. Yeah. And, and 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 a sort of gif online of of one of the first films um where you know openly gay men on screen you know kissing holding hands being in a happy relationship or you know in some cases not happy but there's a happy ending to the story so mm. it's a poignant point in in, in the film because you that's the first time you sort of realize that there is a connection between the two characters well, you're listening to Hugh Grant taking Hugh for granted on the radio. Hugh Grant taking Hugh for granted. Oh, the podcast show. Let's then talk about Morris. So, as as we say, we've had the turmoil. Morris and and Hugh Grant were getting together. Everything seemed beautiful. It seemed like a, your classic romantic story. Hugh Grant drops this bombshell that things with men should be platonic only. I'm going to go and pursue women. And and he does eventually get married. This sends Morris into a bit of a spiral. And he goes um, in search of some remedies for his homosexuality. So he goes to see his doctor. And the doctor just sort of tells him, like, oh, John, you know, he he inspects his private parts and it's like, oh, you're all good down there, chap. And he's like, yeah. and he's like, what, what? And it's just like one of those moments where you're like, God, people really just didn't understand the back then. Mm. And then there's this other moment where he basically gets psychiatric help from this hypnotist who's actually played by Ben Kingsley, which is yeah, quite yeah. cool. Um, and Ben Kingsley's got this strange accent as well. But anyway, that's beside the point. I love that that line in the film when Ben, ben Kingsley's like, I needn't remind you that your sort of once put to death in England. I would advise you to 
live in some country, France, Italy, where homosexuality is no longer criminal. Would it ever be like that in England? England has always been disinclined to accept human nature. And that's so great because it's like Ben Kingsley's character, even though it's his job, you know, to hypnotize people out of this thing. He's like, for God's sake, like, even I know this is just human nature. You're just a bloody human. Go and be a human elsewhere. But it, it does, again, I guess, just show um, what people thought back then. And he, he talks about how England will never accept homosexuality. And I think it's an interesting side point, actually, to the um, how the film was received in the UK compared to some other countries. Because I think Hugh and... Um, and uh, Morris, uh, James Wisley, said uh, um, that the release of the film wasn't actually very successful in the UK compared to other countries because they felt that a lot of the film critics were also in the closet and didn't want to, um, you know, be seen to give good reviews to an openly gay film in the height of the AIDS crisis yeah. in the 1980s. Um, so it's almost kind of ironic that there was a scene where it was saying that, oh, you know, England, the UK is a backward country that would never accept these things. And then, you know, 70 years later, when the film is actually released, they still can't. So I yeah. thought that was quite interesting. And James alluded to a piece of uh, Thatcher's legislature, which also apparently had homophobic undertones, um, which I think, again, also may have added to this sense. So that's why they, they were surprised that maybe the film didn't do so well, you know, where it was bloody made and where it was from, and did whereas it did do well in, in America, did do well in Italy. Um, I also looked up a few more of these things. So in um, back in the day, um, they used to use hypno hypnosis, um, and, and regular brothel visits to try and cure people of this. They gave LSD to to lesbians to try and cure them of their of their uh, their homosexuality, uh, or yeah, or, or their or their gayness, I suppose. And there's a bit in the film as well where he where they suggest that he should walk around where Morris should walk around the grounds with a gun for a bit because <laughs> that it will be a very heterosexual thing to do it's just and it's just stuff like that's what i, I love that bit because i was like that's that sounds fucking ridiculous and so does hot all of those things it sounds ridiculous but that is what it is and it's you know we're still talking 1910s you know this is still primitive um ways of curing people and obviously curing a disease is one thing but curing something that isn't a, a disease is a completely other thing as well um mm. I mean, it's, it's got some comparisons with uh, what certain presidents of this time are telling us to take to cure <laughs> coronavirus. It's all false. <laughs> Somebody after some transition music. Right. Um, uh, uh, yeah. I'll do. Good. Uh, Morris is, is staying at Hugh's house and he's having a really torrid time in bed he's had this hypnosis therapy and, and it's kind of it's it's he's having a horrible time mentally anyway um so he's can't quite sleep he's thinking about the hypnosis and stuff and he opens his he opens his window to get some air and there's been a young groundsman um played by rupert graves aka lestrade in the most recent bbc adaptation of sherlock um, it's great it's great uh, who has been has been eyeing him up I have to say and asking a lot of um, you know it's taking a bit of a shine to Morris I think this second time of watching it I've realised that actually that Scudders did does take a bit of a shine to him and Scudders 
climbs up the ladder and climbs into his room. It's the dead of night, bear in mind, and comes and sits on the bed with Morris and goes, mate, I know, I know what's going on. They start kissing and they have a night of passion and they wake up the next day uh, naked in bed together. Um, And this is the beginning of his love affair with Scudders. Uh, What do you think about Scudders' character, where the film goes at this point? I... I really like Scudders as a character. I think mm. he's played really well. Um, I listened to an interview with Rupert Graves, um, mm. who who I really like as an actor in general. Yeah, and he's, same. He, it's quite funny. He talked about how, um, I mean, all the actors in this film, Hugh Grant, James Wilby, Rupert Graves, talk about the impact this film has had on mm. many mm. gay people, etc., who've come up and said to them, you know, this film changed my life. Um, this is my favourite film of all time. I mm. completely had a different outlook and life after watching this film. He said that also um, the second group of people who liked this film were Japanese girls who liked watching three three good-looking young guys, <laughs> um, you know, getting their clothes off in the film, which oh. I thought was quite amusing. But I I, love it. yes, Scudder's character, he play, he's got this nice accent, um, sort of West Country. Um, Rupert Graves himself is from Western Supermare, I believe, so... He was able to take some um, inspiration from the the west of England for his acting, um, but it's quite a is it is nice because it's a happy story. Whereas I think that's the sort of what the whole story is meant to be about is that you have the first half of the film where Hugh Grant and Morris, you know, relationship can't work because of the societal pressures, etc. But then this the second relationship that he's in despite the barriers and the class difference etc they are able to find a way of making it work in some ways which i which i quite like the story yeah i mean the film um at this end with scudders and and morris they have this lots goes on watch the film for more details but there's ideas of blackmail and second guessing each other and stuff it's because they're so paranoid this time where they you know what they're doing is illegal who they are as people is illegal and it's it's they're they're really really worried and you think you know it's not going to end happily the worst is going to happen as it always does for gay people in this time but they both end up in the in the boathouse together um having this very passionate kiss and it's and it's a nice ending and I, and I think it was James Ivory was saying you know I think this ending for a lot of, especially a lot of the um, f- films about gay people that had been made before and during that time, there wasn't, there never was a happy ending. And mm-hmm. even though all the odds are against uh, Morris and Scudders, th- it was important for them to be like, well, we're going to show, have a film here where it is a happy ending. You know, this film is an interesting one in, in a sense because it's almost like. It's had a renaissance over the last mm. thirty years. When it was first, it was underappreciated, underseen when it first came out. But now it's become a bit of sort of history in a way because, you know, and up until this point, I'm sure that most gay men on screen or gay scenes, etc., were stereotypes or you know poked fun mm. of, etc. Mm. And this one, we've actually see a sort of happy ending where these two guys are happily in love, and you're like, great, mm. exactly. And I mean. I think it just shows that regardless of whether it was like the first to do it or yeah, whether it pioneered in any of those things, I think people just really resonate with how the story was told. Yeah, I mean, just to hammer that point home, I, I did mention it earlier, director James Avery said, so many people have come up to me since Morris and pulled me aside and said, I just want to know that you changed my life. That's exactly, it's beautiful. And I'll just add this, that Rupert Graves read about Edwardian agriculture and said it had no effect on his role and it was completely pointless. 
Um, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I love how we watch the same interviews. Taking heat for granted. Taking heat for granted. Taking heat for granted. What did you think, lads? Were they taking heat for granted? Oscar, I'm going to ask that question that we ask every episode. Is this film, Morris, taking Hugh for granted? Um, Diggory, I'm slightly not sure what to say here because as the actual film goes, I Mm. felt that in places it was slow and a little boring. Mm. If I was just, if I take myself out of the taking Hugh for granted chair, I don't know how much I actually enjoyed the film, but... I do think it's important to acknowledge the significance of the movie. Um, and I also think as he, one of Hugh's first early pieces, it really stands out. And I actually think he, he did a really good job. Yeah. So I am going to say that we are not taking Hugh for granted. Just about. I didn't absolutely love the film. I don't think it's an absolute classic Hugh film. But... I like Hugh's performance and he looks great and it's a nice story. There you go. I mean, I I just echo that sentiment wholeheartedly. I don't think we're taking Hugh for granted. Hugh Grant fans out there, he looks great. It's his fir- it's his big break. It's one of his of his films pre uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. This is cream of the crop in many ways. Um he's he acted it brilliantly. I think he won best actor at the Venice Film Festival along with James Wilby. And he and like you say, it's it it re- it resonates to this day, and it has a cult following. Um, that it shouldn't shouldn't be something that should be overlooked. So I think, for that reason, this film is not taking you for granted. But it does lag in the middle. Bloody hell, it lags. It's boring as fuck. Definitely take twenty minutes <laughs> off it. Definitely take twenty minutes off it and make it two hours. Come on, directors. Two hours, twenty minutes. Like, come. On. I don't have that time anymore. You know, I'm just doing yeah, nothing all real. day. Like my schedule is so <laughs> packed, please. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, that's another episode in the bag, in the can. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you have time to watch Mar- Maurice, Maurice, Morris. God, I'm God, Diggory, get, get it right, man. Thank you so much for listening again. Keep following us on all the different social medias at Taking Hugh for Granted on Instagram and Facebook, at Taking Hugh on Twitter, and Taking Hugh for Granted at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Um, anything you'd like to say, Oscar? Not really. Just go watch it. Go and watch an- another piece of history. Mm, another piece of history. That's what these films are history. Hugh Grant films are history. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. For copyright reasons, the producers of Taking You For Granted would like to state that this podcast is in no way associated with the actor Hugh John Mungo Grant, nor does it endorse his views or represent him in any way. We simply review Mr Grant's films and hope to shine light upon some of the lesser-known classics from his illustrious career. Hugh, if you're listening, we hope you approve.